0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start Hustle, brought to you by FullScale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Start a Puzzle. This is your host, Matt Watson. Very excited to be joined today by the founder and CEO of Scheduler AI, Mike Bell. You know what? When I first saw this, I'm like, created a scheduling app. How do you compete with Calendly? So I'm excited to talk to him about that today and learn more about what he's up to before we get started. I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by FullScale, which is my company. We build software for dozens of other startups and scale-ups. You can check us out at FullScale.io if you need to hire software developers. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So how in the world did you get to wanting to build a scheduling app? Like, were you trying to schedule a date, hanging out with your friends? Like, what what were you trying to schedule that you're like, damn it, there's got to be a better way?
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know, we're a long way from home if you check out our website today from where we started, but it really was born out of personal frustration. So my wife and I had this great group of friends, right, that we would see every Sunday at church. We'd make plans for the week, and it was easy. And then fast forward a few years later, we've all got kids and we keep seeing each other. And We're like, let's get together for lunch, this, whatever. And we see each other. And we could not make it happen. We're like, this is awkward. Like, I actually do want to get together with you. There should be a better way to do it. And we were driving back one day and Maddie just goes, I should just be able to add the people I want to get together with to a text message chain, describe what we want to do and something somewhere should make it happen. And like, literally, that was like where the seed yeah. was planted.
0: So was that before other sorts of scheduling things existed or was it, you know, like things like Calendly and all these kinds of things that exist or?
1: Well, you know, they existed, but like you would never drop a Calendly link for your friends.
0: I've never done that. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, you
1: know, people have tried doodle polls and stuff too. And we kind of tried everything. We're like, these all suck for trying to coordinate this. What would it look like to design something from the ground up? It would be an awesome way to uh, get people scheduled together. That was kind of, kind of where we started, right? And um, so we're basically like, can we essentially create, again, we're a long ways from home where we are now, but like uh, this person that just is in the group chat chain and just loves figuring out these details, right? Like, can we... It's not me. It's not me. Exactly. Exactly. It's an awful, it's an awful role. <laughs> but, but if someone doesn't do it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So that was kind of the start. And then, you know, we, we got accepted to an accelerator and we kind of went through the whole first side of things, came out of the accelerator, uh, raised a little bit of capital. I actually was able to hire my number two prior to this. I was leading data science for Nielsen. So I, I brought in, you know, the person that I just was like, you know, if I, 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 I told this person, right. If I ever raise funding, you're my first call. And sure enough, she was, and she was ready to go. And we were like, "Well, testing this over text message is awful. We should put it in Slack." Okay. And then we started using it in Slack, and we're like, "This doesn't suck." And right around that time, uh, Slack was having a global hackathon. So we're like, "Well, you know what the heck? We'll just put it in there and see what happens." And then we won the whole thing. So we won their. Oh wow. <laughs> so, then, so we're like, okay, well, wait a second. Um, there's something here, right? And as they started to promote us, and we started to have companies come in. And you know, purchase our product for a nominal amount, we started asking the question, right? Like, where do you really want this type of technology? And then we just started listening and and iterating to get to the point where we are today.
0: So, how how was the idea changed, right? So originally it was the idea of I'm trying to get together with my buddy, go have a beer, complain about our significant other and children, maybe. And yeah, dropping a Calendly link and a Slack message or a text message to him feels weird. So how, how did the idea evolve to today? What, what's different today?
1: So what became really clear to us, and you know this, right? As soon as you start asking for the credit card, you figure out where the frictions are. And what we started to realize was there are places in an organization where meetings make money, right? So like meetings get a whole bad rap today of like kill all meetings, right? Abolish all meetings. You know, if you don't see that saying that. Salespeople and recruiters, right? Because they actually make money when meetings get booked, right? So they really started to kind of take off with this for a couple reasons. One, right, it's a key focus for them. They need these meetings. Two, link-based solutions like Calendly definitely have their place. We offer them as part of our products. We don't want to take anything away from people. But they're very reactive. You have put the work onto a prospect, whether you view it like that or not, right? Like it,
0: it doesn't feel very personal for sure.
1: It's totally. And it doesn't like, mean- like, here's
0: some work to meet with me here. Go figure it out.
1: Bingo. And, and so I think, you know, like the big thing for us, Matt was like, all right, well, every other solution out there is not solving the problem. They're shifting it. Links are now your problem, right? If you're the sender, organize something, it's yours. If you want to create a special kind of group hell, you can make a poll, Right. And just bring everybody into it. But no one's actually like, I'm just going to like solve this problem based on what I mean. Or at least get the ball rolling. Right. So I think what a lot of our, um, especially recruiting and sales teams appreciate is, you pop scheduler onto a chain, you say, hey, can you propose a few times next week? And now, you know, in a matter of seconds, you've got this curated, times pulled, invites getting over, friendly reminders, like the ball has started to roll without the prospect having to do the work.
0: Well, I love what you, you mentioned earlier about meetings that actually make money and are valuable because like yesterday, one, one of the companies that I, I own and do, and do work with is uh, digital marketing related yeah. And one of the companies that is, it's actually a customer of ours wanted to have a meeting to talk about some JavaScript bug or errors on their site. Yeah, sure. And they're like, can you meet today yeah. at this time and talk about this? Whatever. And my answer was no, <laughs> just email me what the problem is. Like we don't yeah. need a meeting for this. Right. To your point, like nobody makes money from this meeting.
1: That's exactly. <laughs> it,
0: right. It's just a waste of everybody's time. Just email me what the problem is and we'll take care of it. Yeah. And we did. But the, But I love that you talk about sales meetings. So at full scale, we, uh, one of my sales guys brought up a a week ago in our meeting, he's like, somehow, if you go to Google and you search for software development services for equity or investment or something like that, people are finding full scale and then they're setting up meetings. And as soon as I talk to them in the meeting, they're just, they just want us to uh, do work for them for equity. And so we really should like, how do we kill this blog post or something? So these people stop calling me. <laughs> and of course, you know, what's going through my head, right? <laughs> they need help. Sell them something, right? It's right. somebody who needs to hire software developers. Why would you, why would we say, don't call us, just sell them something. Like you just got an at bat right. and an opportunity. And you're trying to say you want less at bats. What kind of salesperson are you? Let's go.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's all about uncovering opportunity. Right. And there's an,
0: I mean, maybe only one in five of them buy, or one in ten of them buy. But you know what? Uh, give me the nine nos, so I get to the yes. Let's go.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's market research at that point, right? And I mean, yeah, it, it's qualifying and routing, and it's kind of having a nose, not just for where your market is today, but where your market might be tomorrow, right? Which has been a big part of this evolution.
0: But I, but I love what you're saying about sales meetings because. Yeah, it's like give give me all the meetings, give, give me more at bats, right? Like everyone's yeah. more at bat. Just like let's just go sell something. And I, of course, I can appreciate it on the recruiting side of this too, because at Full Scale we do a lot of recruiting. We hire a lot of software developers. Absolutely. So, you know, recruiting is huge. So, what have you found this to be uh, really valuable to other groups besides sales and, and recruiting, or is that still your sweet spot?
1: I'd say we get a lot of interest from other groups who we can serve, but at some point, right, we've tried to make scheduler insanely customizable, right? Like you always want to get maximum customization, but at some point you do have to make product decisions that are a fork in the road. And so at those points, you have to very clearly state, hey, uh, if it's going to come down to delighting persona A or persona B, persona A will be my North Star, Right. So, for example, last night I was on a very late call with somebody who was like, Hey, I have 3,000 executive assistants who I'm vetting tools for. How would Scheduler work for them? Right. And we kind of went through it. Right. And there are workflows you can use with Scheduler that are great for an EA. But there are certain decisions we've made, right, to say, Hey, if we really made it work like this for EAs, it would be a weird experience for sales and recruiting people. Oh, yeah. So, we are going to use them as our, our North star in the, in the product design. So, I mean, we have all kinds of people again, using this, but I would say our best users, our highest paying, most satisfied users, our key target is people whose meetings generate revenue in some way or another.
0: But are, so are they using it just internally within the organization or they are using it, you know, for like a salesperson sending it externally to somebody else?
1: Yeah, great point. Um, I, sh- I should have done a better job of clarifying that. So so it's in a couple ways, right? Um, you have the actual, okay, let me use scheduler to get the ball rolling for a meeting. Now that could be a meeting with just a prospect. It could be, a, I'll tell you the one that people love, right? It's like, let's say you've just had a great sales meeting and now so let's say someone on your team, Matt, and they need to bring you along to the next meeting. Instead of... Going to your calendar, going to their calendar, pulling up a few times, putting those into an email, putting all the holds on it, right? Sending them over, waiting for the person to get back to them, which takes like 57 clicks we've tracked on average, just to propose a few times for you and a team member that works to someone else. Pop on scheduler, say, hey, scheduler, can you propose a few times? It says, hey, the full scale team is available at these times. Do any work for you? Like that in under a minute, right? Um, But the really interesting one is, and I know I was saying this to you before, a lot of our clients' favorite solutions were the ones that I was like, that's a really terrible idea. And for sales teams in particular, they had this whole concept of, right, we were talking about, hey, can you just monitor my meetings to make sure people aren't declining on me? Can you follow up with people to make sure that they're still gonna make it, especially when they haven't accepted the meeting invite? And can you just help me make sure that those eight meetings that I am fired up to go sell tomorrow are actually showing up to that? Because right. psychologically it's a huge drain on an AE to be like, I got, you know, eight chances to sell tomorrow and then you have having two. Right? I mean, that's that's brutal for those guys. <laughs> they expect they have a full pipeline and they're getting ghosted.
0: So, so. your system is sending out reminders to get them to show up like is mike going to show up to the podcast today right like yeah but is that take is that sending it through their personal email account and kind of acting like ai or how
1: do you You know so we had a whole product debate on this one and the approach that we've taken which is working really well is it is positioned as an assistant right so for example if you had been before this call let's say uh you were a scheduler user it would have checked out 24 hours in advance. It would have said, um, hey, Mike, just checking Matt's calendar for tomorrow. I wanted to make sure. Are you still good to meet from this time? Maybe right? yes, no, right? See, did I actually accept the calendar invite? Let's say I'm ghosting you right now. It'll touch base again. Hey, uh, looks like you haven't gotten a chance to accept yet, Mike. Are you still going to be able to make it to this meeting, right? And by that point, you have a pretty good idea am I ghosting you or not. And that's where we see a lot of people say, hey, yep, sorry, I'll be there, or you know, things got crazy. Can we move this to, you know, next week at the same time, boom, moved, booked, accepted. Right. And then here's the final one that drives people nuts. Let's say I had just flat declined on you. Like let's, let's say you had a sales meeting, you were all prepped and I had flat declined on you. Right. Very demotivating. A lot of times people don't reach out. If you hit them within that first two minutes to be like, uh, yo, Mike, this is Matt's scheduling assistant. Notice that you uh, just declined this meeting. Are there better times to meet? it is actually pretty impressive, the number of people that come back, so sorry, yes, I'm available on Friday. Or they don't hit it because they don't have the the problem, the problem's right. all going or something. It's just like things get crazy. And so we put in the last 90 days over a million dollars of pipeline for our clients back on the books just by chasing down those declines. So that's so, that a lot sense. in there for you, but yeah.
0: <clears throat> so do you, do you see that as, as being kind of the heart like one of the the main drivers of the product going forward is this kind of reminder. So it's like, you don't, you don't really care if they use Calendly or whatever they use. Your goal is to make it actually work and make sure people show up to the appointments.
1: So we kind of say, right, you know, on our site, let's help you set and show more meetings. And what I described there, right, was a lot of that like show, like, um, I have confidence in my show rates. We've started rolling out more tools for actually setting more meetings. One of the really popular ones been this text to schedule. So let's say somebody goes to full scale or something, right? They download a lead magnet of sorts and you want to immediately reach out to them over text message, right? Because that's a high converting thing. They've already given you their phone number. They've agreed to be contacted and be like, "Um, hey, thanks for downloading this. You know, hope you enjoy it. Follow up a little bit after, you know, if you'd like to set up any time with our team, let me know some good times that work for you and I'll get it taken care of. And uh, what you're able to do there, right, is really kind of kill this whole friction that exists today in getting that person to a meeting when they've clearly shown interest and opted into being contacted, right? We don't wanna go all crazy. We've shut down clients who are like, I want you to just calendar spam. We're not gonna do it, right? But if you got people that are interested, who wanna quickly get contacted, quickly set up time, you can do that over text message. We've built this whole text to schedule platform um, that I would say recruiters in particular have really loved, right? Yeah, probably, makes yeah.
0: total sense for recruiting.
1: Yeah, they're working over text message, so just take care of it. Yeah,
0: like them. our recruiters that work for us in the Philippines at full scale, a lot of the work, yeah, it's all over SMS and totally. for, you know, and and it's different if you download a lead magnet and you still sort of feel like you're spamming somebody and you're you're trying to convince them to do these things, which is fine. That's part of marketing. It's all good. It's a numbers game. But recruiting is different. They're like, I want a job. I will Correct. respond, right? So it's it's a different it's a different situation.
1: It's a different situation, and it's a mechanism, right? Where no one, like, people don't tend to check their personal emails as much. But you're not going to send them a job opportunity to their business email. So like, yeah. text message is kind of what you're left with. And so yeah, you're right. That that's a pretty hot one for recruiters. So what's interesting about the scheduling
0: space is there's so many different kinds of scheduling. And so I actually own scheduling software myself called gigabook.com. And it was created like um, seven years ago or eight years ago or something now. And we don't do anything with it. It's just kind of on the shelf. We have some customers that use it. And my business partner actually started it. Um, and it's similar to you. He was trying to schedule like, I don't know, a dog walker or some shit, something like that, and decided to create a scheduling service. And it was a long time ago. But what what he quickly figured out in the process of building a scheduling system is trying to schedule like a yoga class mm. where you could have 20 people and they're split across two rooms and what's the availability of the two rooms and the two yoga instructors and like all of this kind of stuff is dramatically different and more complicated than somebody that's doing like wedding photography, <laughs> Right? like the the scheduling in general is like a just crazy plethora of problems to solve, right? Yeah. And there's not a one size fits all solution for scheduling. And so another example of this is at full scale, every one of our employees, we want our clients to be able to schedule an appointment with them to you know interview them as a developer and stuff. Well, that means we would have to have 250 accounts with. Calendly or something, right? Because then we need to control like the workflow and, and alerts and notifications. Like we need to standardize that across like all 250 people. Yes. That's a different sort of problem. Like you'd have to go into Calendly and set up like a Zapier for every one of those and like do all this craziness and point, just point being like, there are so many different challenges with scheduling that there's not really a one size fits all. There's all, there's just a whole plethora of things.
1: I. Uh- Totally agree. You know, and I think early on, we thought we could be everything to everyone. You know, you have that kind of very, I think, horizontal mindset, right? Of like, this market is a bajillion dollars because everyone has these problems, right? And as you get into it, you're like, I can't solve everything for everyone. I'll be nothing to no one. And that's very true in the scheduling space.
0: Yeah, I've, I've even saw some kind of app the other day that I thought was cool that was just about optimizing your schedule. So it was like for internally, like we have a stand-up call and I have a one-on-one and I have this and I have this. It's like instead of having like a 30-minute break between all your calls, how do you reorganize your your meetings so you have a longer, you know, break time, focus time later? Like you have a three-hour block of uninterrupted time later, have all your meetings in the morning. Like I've seen some very interesting solutions in the scheduling space. It's, it's just fascinating.
1: I would guess that was probably clockwise. It was probably...
0: Absolutely. I don't remember what it was called, but I thought it was interesting. But the these challenges become bigger and bigger and harder and harder in larger companies, right? I'm sure you you probably have some larger customers where their schedulings are just a total their
1: schedules are a total mess, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and you throw time zones into that and it just gets really fun, right? So, for example, last night though, when I was uh, coordinating with somebody and they were like can we do this time again They're in Bangkok? I was like, all right, well, scheduler, uh, send over an uh, an invite for 9 p.m. and make sure you include Bangkok time in the response so we know when we're meeting. And of course, it's even like, say like, all right, so you're going to meet tonight at 9 p.m. your time. By the way, that's Tuesday, 9 a.m. for them, just so everyone's on the same page. Like that logic alone is, I'll say non-trivial and leave it at that.
0: Thank you, Daylight Savings Time.
1: Oh man! Don't get me started, Matt.
0: And and this is where we have to blow everybody's mind and remind them that there are some parts in the world that have half hour difference of time zone. IST, like India, like <laughs> yeah. India or some places. It's you know, I don't know how, how many hours it is different from where we live. Where we live, but it might be like nine and a, nine half, and a half hours. Yeah, nine
1: room. and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with that the, one. <laughs> you know,
0: the, the the funny thing about. In the U.S., there's this big movement, of course, to get rid of daylight savings time. Yeah. But that's a hard problem for somebody like me who lives in Kansas City, where unless Kansas and Missouri do this at the exact same time, it would be an up absolute disaster.
1: Yeah. No, there are a few counties in the U.S., like cities, that actually go different than their states. And, I mean, we have to accommodate for all of it. That's <laughs> fun. Fun <laughs> it's problems. That's so
0: fun. Well, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale. If you need to hire software developers, check us out: Fullscale.io. So, Mike, in my notes here, it says you're co-founder and CTO.
1: Are you CEO and CTO? No, I am not. Thank goodness. Uh, my co-founder CEO is a much better business mind than I am. Uh, so it's actually my spouse. We have been okay. we've been together since we were sixteen. Right. So we've kind of just been crushing things together for for as long as we remember. So went from the same high school. Both were really lucky. Went to Duke from Duke. We both actually went to um, Cincinnati, which we had no ties to. But um, Maddie, my co-founder, was offered. She was, I think at the time, maybe the youngest uh, brand manager that Procter & Gamble hired. It was like an experiment. Okay. And can, a, can an undergrad come in and run a business? basically, right? Uh, and she had a phenomenal career at Procter & Gamble. I actually started mine in jet engine software with GE Aviation. So okay. again, we're, you know, we kind of did these, these uh, took these career paths in big companies, right? She was with p up until the investment from Drive when we both went full time. I was with GE and then Nielsen. So we kind of spent our whole careers together in big companies. And now we've kind of come in and tackled this new problem together in the startup space
0: so as cto for the for the company are you very hands-on writing the code or you manage a team or what is your
1: role we're a uh we're a small team right now and we basically right now all of the code is written either by me or by my right hand at the moment. So we have okay. kept very tight. Uh, I was very fortunate to bring Wynn over um, again after a pre-seed. And so we'd work together very closely. And I think, you know, just having someone you can pair program with where you're very comfortable with each other's styles allows you to iterate and move very quickly, especially as you're trying to find product market fit. Right. So I mean we we hired um at times occasionally a couple people to do some specialized work. And yeah. You know, honestly, I think we just, we, we sunk more resources into something where the market wasn't validated. And so now we've kind of had this, you know what, we are going to move as fast as possible until we're just absolutely sure we have it nailed. And the last few months have started to indicate that, which is why we started to kick up the seed round. So obviously
0: the company name is Scheduler AI. How, how has the AI part of this changed from when you started the development in 2021 till now, like obviously ChatGPT GPT didn't exist, or maybe one of the early versions of GPT did, but how, how has that changed?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So we, man, yeah, what an evolution. So at, at the time too, it was because it was that consumer focus, it was get together AI, right? So we originally okay. started out as like that kind of, we're your friendly get together bot. And um, when we were in text message and in Slack, it was very short form. And so we could use, uh, you know, models that were more entity recognition based and do some basic logic to essentially very quickly break down the componentry of sentences and figure out, you know, here's the scheduling component, whatnot. But it was typically something as short as, hey, Matt, let's get together for 30 minutes for lunch next week. Right. So getting like lunch 30 minutes next week, one thing like that's not that hard. Right. Like you, you you can train your own model pretty easily to handle those sorts of things. When we entered email, it was right when Chat GPT was starting to become a thing, and email is another beast, man. There is so much other context going into that, right? That that was where we had to really start leaning on some higher powered LLMs because figuring out things like I'm available next Thursday between this time, but not this because little Johnny has a doctor's appointment. You know what I mean? Like you've seen some right. emails, and it's but then like.
0: They, but then they reply to that message and say something else, and then you reply to that message and right. say something else. Now you have a whole chain of junk you have to
1: parse. Now in. you have a whole chain, that's right. And you need yeah. to be remembering the context, right? Did somebody say, did one person say they were available at a time, but another person said they didn't? And how do you actually make sure that you're keeping that context? And one of the biggest insights that we had as a company, when you talk about being different than Calendly, I remember I I came down from the shower one day and I told Maddie, I was like, scheduling doesn't start with a calendar. It starts with a message, right? Like that was like a a big kind of thing we hooked onto, right? It's like, it it doesn't start with, let's pull up our calendars and decide what we're going to do. It starts with, yo, uh, let's jump on a podcast for an hour next week right? Like, like all the context is carried there. And so what we had to make sure is that, hey, let's, if we're going to get into these messaging spaces, how do we very quickly identify uh, who, what, when, where, why, urgency, right? Like those are the components that you need to actually create a great scheduling experience that feels like a human would have taken care of the details.
0: I love the scheduling starts with a message, not a calendar. I love that. That is awesome. Because um, it it doesn't feel that way when people send out Calendly links and stuff like that these days.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I don't want to hate on Calendly either. We have been very fortunate to speak with um, Tope, their CEO. His story is incredible. I mean, that guy is like, I, I have nothing but amazing things to say about him as a human. And they've clearly solved a real pain point. But you also do see a very divided market, right? Like the people who are like, if you drop a Calendly, you're dead to me. It's like, wow, well, that's probably a little too far. Like, you know, people get, like, I mean, this might sound weird to me. I don't get offended when people drop me a Calendly link, right? If I want to meet with you, I want to meet with you. But if I really want to go meet with somebody else, the last thing I'm doing is is pushing Calendly link to them, right? I need something that's more proactive that looks like I'm giving first.
0: Right. So... Let me ask you this: So we're talking about ChatGPT. So did you end up switching to ChatGPT when it came out, and that, and you guys use that
1: today? Or so we ran a giant bake-off, man. We had uh, we had our original model, which was that more entity recognition based. We had a fine-tuned version uh, from a ton of training data that we ran on top of Dolly, right? So we trained our and our own model. We had Google's Palm Two, and we had uh, GPT at the time three and a half, right? And initially our in-house model was outperforming, right? Like, yeah, it it was doing great. Um, As things started to get more complicated, as GPT became better, we started to see GPT four giving better performance and started giving more um, kind of the dominant model preference to that. Right. But one of our key things, and we actually have a fully granted us patent on this, um, which is crazy because we filed it before this all the AI world went wild. Uh, is that we can have a like agnostic kind of language model layer, so that let's say Claude 2 becomes better at doing this sort of thing. Great, we'll use Claude. Let's say we our own in house one is better. Great, we'll use that. Right, we can we can run this through multiple models, kind of look at you know anonymize the data, look at it, score it, and decide who's better right now. And I think one key thing, right, just for like people who are listening in uh, on this, if they're thinking about using our product we also learned like you you cannot send anything to open AI servers, right? So when I say we're running GPT-4, we're running GPT-4 on Azure, right? Like in our own environment where our customers our data. Yeah, yeah, man, when you draw that data flow diagram, you cannot show your data going to open AI, right? Like right. I know, but, but you, you can't do that. Um, so Azure has actually been phenomenal. If you're a startup using... Uh, those GPT models, you should be applying for the Azure credit and using it there. It is faster, it is more stable, and you don't have to worry about your data being trained on anything else. So rant over on that one, but I think that's critical. So is it very expensive to use Azure for, no. for that? Well, I mean, you know, again, being a VC-backed startup, you definitely are lucky in terms. Somebody posted the other day, they were like, people overemphasize how important credits are. And I was like, <laughs> Disagree. Party of one, because $150,000, you know, in credits from Azure is like, I don't even have to think about running this stuff through for two years, basically. And, and the pricing oh, yeah. is actually very reasonable. Um, okay. it, it, it's very reasonable. I, I mean, you know how it is, Matt. It's, it's all token based, right? So the more efficient you can be with your right. token, you can even make multiple round trip calls. The latency is getting better and better. And you're not really getting charged per call. You're getting charged per token. So you can be very thoughtful, in the way you approach that.
0: Whenever I hear token, maybe I don't. Maybe you're like me. All I can think of is Chuck E. Cheese tokens, dude. Maybe <sighs> we just have too you many. You're ruining
1: that for me now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all I can think of.
1: But, <laughs> These um, gold. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah.
0: let me ask you this: So as a, a VC-backed company, how have you prioritized like your investments and how you spend money? I mean, you guys, you didn't, you didn't raise. A massive amount of money, but you raised a reasonable amount of money. So how do you think about like investing and deploying that? And then do you have a goal of like, I'm gonna take this money, I'm invested in R&D or sales to get to the next level and then raise another round? Like, how do you how do you think about that?
1: So I would say, you know, we are very frugal, very prudent, having come from like a a big company background, actually, right, I think is somewhat of an advantage if you're in the right place as we are, which is, you know, this, this idea of not being profitable is very foreign to us coming out of the gate, right? Like, what do you right. mean you can do this and just lose money? Um, so we've run very lean up to this point. And kind of the, the analogy that Maddie, my wife co-founder, always uses, she's like, look, I am getting a car ready in the garage, right? The minute all that thing needs is gas, right? Marketing dollars, sales dollars, all that side of thing, we are going to pour in the gas, right? But right now we've been putting it through laps. It's like, is this thing going to win on the track, right? So we've put a lot of our focus into early product, product iteration, working with new customers, building a sales, kind of like a product led sales motion that's starting to show that it could have the ability to scale. And then once we are confident, which we're, we're finally at that point, right? To say, Hey, look, uh, all this needs is fuel, that's how we're kind of thinking about this next round, right? It's no okay. longer a, well, customers might like it if we do this, and we have a couple neat ideas. It's like, nope, we have customers coming in every week from the market, paying a very healthy amount to make sure they get this result, and we're delivering it. Now it's time to go put money into that.
0: So, do you have a certain a certain goal you're get to, you're trying to get to? Is it specifically like, hey, we hit product market fit, or what? What is the kind of goal that you're? How, how do you how do you know when you get there?
1: I should be asking you that, Matt. How do you know when you get there? <laughs> <laughs> been there a few when, the,
0: times. when the money just starts raining down. Yeah. Just yeah. Just, the Chuck E. Cheese tokens—they just keep coming. The tokens,
1: okay. <laughs> 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 what was it? They, yeah, they had that like coin machine right where they would all yeah. just start falling. Um, yes. You know, and, and I've heard. You, I'm sure you've heard this a million times. The whole like, how do you know you have product market fit? You know when you have it kind of thing, right? Like the, the pull feels undeniable. Um, I would say we are kind of at our first inklings of that where it's almost been uh, overwhelming the, 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 the people that we need to come in and onboard and get onto the platform, right? Where it's like, okay, we need a new level of scalability to this. Like we did things that don't scale to make sure you know it's fit. Now it's starting to be like, oh darn, like now these certain processes need to scale, because we can't bring people through the door fast enough anymore. Right. So I think that's, we, we have reached that level of good problem to have. And it is our, it is our new fun problem. Have, so I'm,
0: I, I ran across some kind of like how I randomly ran across you on LinkedIn. I randomly ran across this other group of guys that was doing some like lead qualifying, like prospecting sort of software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went to them and I said, Hey, if you can make this work, this would be my dream Okay. And they made it work. They've they've come up with like the most beautiful like lead qualification thing, 100% custom for what I wanted. It uses AI, does all the stuff. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. And then I meet I met with them yesterday, and I'm like, okay. I originally told you I needed you to process 10,000 records a month. What if we did 500,000 instead?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. they're like, uh, we'd have to figure out how to scale a few things and that's when you know you have product market fit right I'm like, okay hey, this thing works we need a lot more of this thing but my question for you is Have you had any customers come to you and ask for some like wild things you said you like one of the things you you thought was a bad idea ended up maybe being one of your best ones but have you had some customers ask for like some really crazy things or, or scale or any of that kind of stuff
1: I think the biggest thing that we get asked for, right, is we've had several mid-market CRM, ATS, like applicant tracking systems, right? right? Like, can we create first-party integrations with you? Can you become our AI scheduling component of our package? Those have been, I would say, they're not necessarily the crazy asks, but I think they're the asks that kind of point to the future, right, of like, how do we... um, make this feel like a part of our product. And I think that's a core thing that we're having to figure out as a company, right? Is like, how much of it is the scheduler AI brand versus how much do we enable other platforms to be successful and went off their usage, right? I mean, like a great example of this in the AI space is recall that AI, right? So anytime someone's Otter pilot or um, forget what some of the other big ones are they power, right? But like all these AI meeting note takers are just being built on top of Recall. So like how do we become recall for scheduling, I think is going to be a a critical part of kind of our next step. There's some additional frictions in there, right? Like you actually have to own calendar tokens for people. and, And you know, that's very different than just like joining a call. So I think we have some real product challenges to figure out there. But honestly, if we can if we can nail that. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, and I know you and I were talking about this before at the beginning, right? I, I think we're we're entering this world of like multi-agent chaining, right? Yeah. So like your your agent that these guys are building, right, will do a lot of things, but it won't do everything, right? But somebody else's agent will do that. So then, how do you get those two to talk together? Like we have a we have a client with another AI company that does so they do voice calls, right? We do scheduling, and so this joint client has come to us and said, "All right, guys." Uh, you make the calls, but then I want the meeting booked on the call. How do we make that happen? Right. And so those sorts of like, where you'll start to purchase these agents that talk to and hand off and have specialties and know when you give it to a human, that's going to come before like an artificial general intelligence, like AGI thing, right? Like we're going to see highly specialized multi-agent workflows that feel seamless. That's my prediction for the next kind of big thing. That's, that's really already, already coming.
0: My AI talking to your AI, that's going to be the future. And it's kind of weird and impersonal, though.
1: In a little bit, but you know, like, so for example, one of the big things we try to do, right? Like, let's go back to scheduler. If you and I are both on scheduler and we say, yo, Matt, uh, can we find 30 minutes to meet next week? The friction's gone. There's no friction. It knows your calendars, your availabilities, your preferences, your time zone. It knows mine, and it negotiates it without any nonsense of you know who's dropping a link first who's putting the times we're going to the eas it's just like just we so we as the humans have given permission to kick off the workflow and then it just took away the awful part of it for yeah. us well can
0: i okay i've got a uh, i've got a feature request can i use your software to schedule my kid's first birthday party it plans it, it gets the decorations, right. it gets the cake, it gets all of it, it books Chuck E. Cheese, all of it.
1: We, we're going to get that Chuck E. Cheese API on the books. You get me <laughs> get in touch with it right now. Well, you know, maybe, maybe they can hire full scale to put the Chuck E. Cheese API. Because that's all my wife
0: talks about right now, and I need some kind of AI to take care of that.
1: <laughs> I tell you what, when we were in the consumer space, the types of requests we got were wild. So, <laughs> like, pretty much like what you described all the time.
0: When, when you say wild like that, I think of like some kind of weird swinger meetup thing going on over text. I don't
1: know why. Oh, man, don't get me started. We actually had to <laughs> to the platform for uh, violating stuff earlier. So, I mean, people, people are weird, Matt. I think when people are like, hey, what's been the most interesting thing about starting a scheduling company? Things you didn't predict. I'm like, people are weird. They will say weird. Oh, yeah. Your synthetic data will never predict the kind of things that come out of people's brains. All right. So one of the last things I wanted to ask
0: you about before we wrap this up today is how do you balance being founder and CTO? So, mm. you know, obviously you're writing a lot of the code, but how do you balance like all the other business related stuff that you're no doubt involved in? How do you, how do you balance that part of it? Cause that's always a balance. I feel like it's a struggle if you're one of the, you know, founding, you know, founders, yeah. And you know you're also chief cook and bottle washer and Chuck E Cheese token picker-upper, <laughs> right? Like, how do you balance all these things?
1: You know, it's funny. I, I do describe to people, and they're like, "What's it like being a technical founder?" I'm like, "It's like getting on an elevator every day. It's like starts at the bottom floor. What were all the bugs we saw yesterday? Goes up <laughs> no, one no, no, level, no, no, it's no. Your customer inquiries. Goes up another level, sales meeting. Goes up another level, investor. Ah, oh, crap! A bug came through in Slack. Right back down to the basement. You know, it means but- you fix WordPress all day. Yeah, God, something off. But I think, um, I mean, you know how it is, man. It's like you want to have this easy answer that like these like LinkedIn guru type people give you. It's like here's how I structure my day. But the the fact is, right, in a startup, things are changing. What is most important in a given day, week, whatever it is, it is going to change. Sometimes it is, hey, I've been out pushing on this product with customers for two weeks. They have been very clear about what they need to see. I don't need to go get more customers right now. I need to go take care of this, delight them, check in, and then go to the next batch, right? So, I mean, if you think about sprints, probably right is probably the closest to it. Like at any given point, are we in more of a commercial sprint or in more of a product sprint? Because we don't have the benefit of the resources, right? Of a company where you can just be highly specialized and constantly be working at something. Um, I don't want to go off on a huge tangent here, but I mean, I will say, you know, one of the things, right. Is so before the kids get up in the morning, you know, every day at five, Maddie come down, Maddie and I come down here to this office with a cup of coffee. And we do kind of say like, what is the most important thing to accomplish for our customers today in the next week, right? Like in the next month. And then we kind of have those touch points and if things need to adjust, they need to adjust. And if not, we just, we kind of just buckle in and get it done, man. I mean, you know how it is. You just got to strap up and. So
0: so are you heavily involved in, in sales?
1: So yes, we've kind of come up with a pretty good, for the most part, Maddie will take 80% of the initial meetings. Right. I'll probably take another 20%. And one of the cool things, right, with schedulers, we kind of have this four strength capability where it'll give it to the first person. Like, let's say Maddie is the first person first. And if she doesn't have the time they want, it'll pass it on to me. It's a really nice feature. But then, like, once she's kind of qualified, like, yo, this is a good account, you need to go close it. That's typically when it'll come to me to like, kind of make sure everything's good, get them onboarded, right. Started to go, and that's been a pretty nice one-two handoff, right? It's like this is a good person; they're a strategic account. Get them onboarded, make sure it closes, and move on. But um, yeah, man, I mean, look, we were terrible at selling a year ago. I mean, just awful. We had no idea what we were doing. We got a sales coach. Hey, that was actually what I posted your LinkedIn thing. That's what led to all this, right? Oh, okay. We we, we got a sales coach. We learned how to sell, and um, getting better at it every day. But it, it it's definitely a, a competency, right? That like yeah, I mean, you know how it is. You just gotta build it. Like it it is a reps game. It is a it's worth well, I
0: think I think one of the superpowers of a really good technical founder, and I think I think this describes both of us probably well, if you can build it, that is a great skill set. Yeah. Even better is being able to go talk to customers, actually understand what they want and get it. Actually get it, actually understand it, put on your product hat. You're really good at figuring out how the product's supposed to work, having like the vision of all of that, and then going back, you know, behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, yes. building the crazy thing, and then delivering it. Like that is the real true superpower of like a startup CTO is being able to do all of that. Not the the CTOs that struggle that I talked to on LinkedIn, they're like I built this thing because I had this idea and I like to build things. I've never talked to anybody about it, but I should probably figure out how to sell it. Like that's like almost instant doom every yeah. time.
1: Yeah,
0: That is not your personality. I can tell.
1: Def- well, early on it was though, man. I was like, I have an idea the world needs. And once I build it, they will all come. That was like, no, I don't do it. That doesn't I, usually I don't, work. It doesn't it usually never work. work. It never works. It's, I always tell people right there, like, this might be my first startup, but at this point, I feel like a second time founder. I don't feel like a first time founder anymore with the rose colored glasses on. And, and I, you know, going back to what you said, too, I think that the, the real superpower of being that technical founder, right, is like, when I make a commitment to say we can do this, it's not a wing and a prayer. I hope the tech team says that I'm not a liar right? It's like a, I can make this commitment because we're about to go back and build it and I can already see in my head how it's going to work. Yeah. Um, So when you hear yes from me, you can assume that means yes.
0: That's the, that is the superpower of having a really good technical founder right there. Like that, that is the superpower of having somebody on the team that can make those decisions and actually deliver like that. That's where the magic happens. So hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, Reminder today, um, check us out at FullSkill.io if you're looking to hire software developers. That's my company. We have 300 employees in the Philippines. Again, that's FullSkill.io. Our guest today was Mike Bell, the co-founder and CTO of Scheduler.ai. Sounds really cool. I love the the whole reminder system. And honestly, um, I bet I could make a lot more money if I was using it for recruiting to get some of these people hired because problem is you have to just follow up with people. You just have to chase people, right? Like they just don't show up the way that you want them to show up. Even if you're trying to hire them for a job, they still don't just, you still got to recruit them.
1: You do. And I'd say that sitting on this side of the seat has given me so much empathy because I start to recognize, you know, you never want to do it to others, but you recognize your impulse to do it. And you're like, oh, darn it. I'm just like them, right? Like everybody kind of is. Um, and so to that exact point, right? Like things like follow-ups and being like, thank you for following up with me. You start to realize like, oh, okay, it's okay, we do that.
0: <laughs> well, so my last question for you as we as we end the show here is, what is it like having your wife as a co-founder?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the crazy thing is Maddie and I have been together since we were 16. So we've been building stuff together for a long time. And, you know, we also have three kids. And, and we had some very successful entrepreneurs in our family who I think kind of, you know, that became um, you know something something that was maybe toxic to their family in the long run and for us right when people would be like hey your startup's going to be like your fourth child that was we were very negative against that at first right because it's like oh no this is like different but now that we've done it we're like in a way it kind of is because i see the parts of it that reflect her Right, like when you, when somebody sent me a note today and they're like, "I oh, love the new banner above your site. That's like so good." That was all Maddie. Right, like she she designed our entire site. Any times it's iterating, she's doing it right. And it's like it's cool to see that. Right, or you know, like when something comes out, uh, like she'll say, like you know, it it's such a, like a robot would say it that way, right way. It's like, well, that's me. Right, so like you got to help me finesse it. But you start to see these parts of um, you and your spouse come out in your product in the way the company is being run and just like a kid right where you see the traits yeah. of, of it in the kid like you do start to see that and and it has turned from something that i would have considered to be very negative when we started this fight so i that to like a yeah no that is that is kind of how it is and that's kind of neat right that's that's pretty special i mean we're, we're co-authors on the patent like that's pretty nice. cool right like yeah, that's a very cool on a patent
0: that's neat that's very cool well I have five kids and I swear I just see all the worst of me and their mom and the kids. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you see some good traits because I always just see the bad ones.
1: It's tough. Man. But, kids are crazy. Yeah. You definitely see your own flaws in them real quick. Like, How dare you? Darn it. I definitely. Yeah, did.
0: I do that. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this was Mike Bell. You can check him out at scheduler.ai. Very cool. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Matt. Yeah.
0: like with the word